Hello and welcome to the Holly Doss Show. This is your host, Holly Doss. I'm actually on a mission to help as many of you as possible get in touch with your higher selves, break free from ego identities, raise your frequencies, and become the best version of yourself. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back and welcome to my show if this is your first time joining me. I have got to start today by just saying thank you to all of you who took the time to listen to last week's episode and then share it on your social media. I appreciate that act of kindness so very much. And all of you who reached out to me personally with text and comments and messages and emails, I was so incredibly moved, and I appreciate our friendships so, so much. You know, I started this podcast journey with the intention of recording my biggest life lessons so that my children could refer back to them one day. I had zero expectations as to whether or not anyone else would listen or if I would have any followers or if anyone would even find any nuggets of truth through my journeys. So having you guys all listen and subscribe and come back just means the world to me. And I appreciate and acknowledge each one of you. I also want to acknowledge that there were so many more questions as a result of last week's show. And I'm going to do my best to answer those for you today. Now, if you are a new listener and have no idea what I'm talking about, My husband and I are in the process of adopting our twins from foster care, and I go all into that journey in episode two. So if you are interested in hearing the story, go back an episode, and then this one will make more sense. If you have no interest in hearing these questions and answers, look for the minute marker in the show notes below where I start talking about this week's topic and then just skip to that part. So moving forward, I want to read you what one listener wrote to me in an email, and then I'm going to do my best to answer. She wrote, we are foster parents too, and each time we receive a new placement, I feel angry towards the bios for obvious neglect of their kids. How do you manage those feelings? And that is a great question, and I'm going to do my best to answer this. It can be terribly disheartening to see what neglect actually looks like in person. When you lay eyes on a neglected child, it can really be upsetting. It brings things up in you that just don't feel real good. But I'm going to offer you a little bit of coaching if you can receive it. Try your best to refrain from pointing fingers because as foster parents, you know, we don't get the full story at the time of placement. Judging the bios based on the bits and pieces that you do know is just allowing your ego to step in and take over. You know, I don't know if you listened to the first episode of my podcast where I describe ego identities, but basically, whenever we feel superior or inferior, our ego has gotten involved. So you can see how taking on a this superior stance of how could they kind of mentality, that's just your ego. 
So it's a fine line. I get it. I totally understand. Just remember to check your ego when those feelings arise and try to focus on stabilizing and loving the child or the children who have just come in your home. Another listener wrote in and said, how do you know if a placement is a fit for your family? We currently have a placement that is not working out. Okay, this is somewhat complex because when you are getting certified, you are asked what your criteria is, what are your preferences, what are the things that you feel equipped to handle and what are you not equipped to handle. Now, for our family, we did not choose anything that had to do with medical, even though we would love to go there one day, we do not have medical backgrounds. And so if any child, you know, had medical needs, we obviously said, no, we can't take those. Um, We had zero preference on gender, on race. The only thing that was really big for us outside of medical was age, because we were told to stay in the birth order. So You get a chance before you ever take a placement to really narrow down what is it that I can and can't deal with. But when you get a placement, it can be different because they're bringing a set of behaviors stemming from trauma that you may have not been prepared for. And I totally understand how that can really wreak havoc on a family. But I I ask you to remember that this is not the same thing as shopping for a new car and seeing if you like it enough to buy it. You can't do that with with children. When you accept a child into your home and you are also certified to adopt and you've completed the home study process, then sticking it out for the long haul is really what I recommend. I ask you to... Ask yourself, what is it that I cannot deal with here? And then ask for support. Ask the therapist. Ask the social worker. Because changing a child's wiring, changing their behaviors, helping their brains develop and regrow in certain areas can be very challenging. And it can bring on a lot of issues that you did not even know existed. But don't let those be deal breakers unless the child poses a threat to another child in your home. Um, That would be a deal breaker for me. If, you know, any of my three children, if they were threatened in any way or, you know, it was causing extreme stress for one of them, I would have to rethink. But, you know, if it's just I am not bonding with this child or... I don't like this child, or I don't see how I'm ever going to love this child, then I challenge you to stick with it because it does not happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight for anyone. Um, These are hard, hard scenarios that you are bringing into your home and into your life. And so you kind of have to know that going in. This is not the same thing as when you bring home a brand new baby who's yours biologically and you know the medical history, you know uh, the environment um, that was presented during your pregnancy. So there's a lot of different factors, but 
it is really personal and it's one of those things that you've got to sit down and get very real about if you can do this moving forward because there will come a day if the case goes to adoption where the social worker is going to come to you and say, are you interested in permanency? And you need to know by then if you are or if you're not. Another listener wrote in and said, I live in a small town and being a foster parent has a stigma here. How can I not let that bother me and move forward? I do feel like this is my calling as well. Okay. Um, First of all, don't give a shit. Because foster parents come from all walks of life. There are celebrities out here who are foster parents, and none of you know it. You know, there are people who are working three and four jobs who are foster parents, and no one knows either. It doesn't matter. Your social status does not matter. The The stigma on foster care is just, it's just silly. It's ridiculous. And it's based on ignorance and misinformation. Don't worry about it. Do it anyway. Who cares? Be a leader. Show that you're above that and that you've got this and that you're going to move forward and help a child from a hard place. The next listener wrote in and put, have you ever fostered a teen? No, we have not, but we would love to. We are going to wait until our kids get older, though, because, again, birth order is important when you are fostering children in your home. You want to stay in the birth order if you possibly can. Now, if you are open to going out of the birth order or if you just have the calling and want to foster teens, go for it. There's a huge, huge need, especially in L.A. County, and teenagers often really fall through the cracks and they are the most at risk of aging out of the system. So it is important for them to feel a sense of belonging at some point. And I always stand by the right children or the right child will find you. So so put that down in your preferences that you are open to teens if you've got the heart and the room and the space for it. The next listener wrote, did you specify twins as one of your preferences? And the answer to that is no. We have room in our home, or or at least at that time we had room in our home where we had extra bedrooms and we felt like we could take sibling sets. So we specified that we would be very open to taking sibling sets. It's very hard to place those. um, And it's very sad to see siblings split up. So when we got the first set of twins, it was noted on our profile that we had become accustomed to parenting multiples. So I feel like that was probably something that, you know, added to our profile later. I I don't know that, but I would think so because when the lady called me about our current twins, she wanted to know if we still had two of everything. So she could see that somewhere in our foster adopt journey, we had accepted twins before and we'd be open to that again. But no, we did not specify that at the beginning. Okay, my friend Tiffany wrote, did you and the twins bio mom ever discuss adoption before the case changed to adoption? And the answer to that is yes, but I am not the one who brought it up. She did. 
you probably know this if you're already a foster parent, but if you bring up adoption in the court sides, it can look like you're trying to influence the bio parent to give them up. And that's not good. If, if a parent gives up a child, you better believe that they have put a lot of time thinking hard about what is really best for the child. And you don't need to have any say-so in that. You don't need to sway that one way or another. Now, when the twins' mom came to me and said, I feel like it is best that they stay with you, so if the judge rules that way, I'm at peace. Um, it wasn't those exact words, but I'm you know, to protect privacy, I am giving you the very short, watered-down version of our conversation. But I did a lot of listening and a lot of making sure and a lot of questions and just gave her a lot of support. And no, she she never gave them up, but she did let me know that she was at peace with the decision because by then we'd become friends and she knew that you know, if the judge ruled in our favor, that we were not going to kick her to the curb. We were going to keep her in their lives. So no, don't bring it up, but be open to the conversation and be an ear and be a source of support if your bio does bring it up. The next listener wrote, how did your extended family take the news of your foster adopt plans? My mother is trying her best to get us not to do this. Okay, that is to be expected. Um, If your extended family welcomes it all at the same time and never questions anything, that's fantastic, but that's very rare. Most of the time, extended families will become supportive in time. But don't expect it at the beginning because even with our extended families who love and adore the twins now, they did not always understand why we were doing this, especially after we lost the first ones. I mean, there was a lot of fear expressed and a lot of, are you sure you want to do this? You know, it takes everyone a different time and space for love to grow. And especially if they are not even your biological cousins or biological grandchildren or, you know, it just doesn't happen overnight and that can't be forced. So what I encourage you to do is educate your mom, answer her questions, but don't let it be a deciding factor. And if you move forward with your calling, because at the end of the day, you know, your journey is your journey and... I feel she will eventually get on board. Next question I got has to do with work. This listener asked me, how did you handle your business and taking time off from work? Or did you take time off from work? I am concerned because I work long hours each week and I am not sure I would be able to afford taking off the time to help them stabilize. That is an excellent, excellent question. Now, if you work for a big corporation, ask your HR department about maternity leave for foster parents because there are a lot of companies who have that available, but you just may not know it. And I would definitely recommend doing that. 
I would find out from whoever your boss is, though, what is the protocol if you were to have to take time off. I would go ahead and be prepared for that because if you get a child or a set of siblings or a set of children who require 24-7 care at first just to get them, like you said, stabilized and accustomed to your home and some of the initial nerves calmed for the kids, then it is really beneficial for them if you are there. So in our case, with me being in business for myself and it being in a place where it could operate without me for a couple of weeks, really benefited the twins because they each came with their own set of conditions that required us to be up around the clock. And it was not just sleep training. It was far beyond that. And without going into the details just for privacy issues, I can tell you that one of the twins in particular could not breathe or sleep unless I was holding him standing up. So you can imagine the toll that this was taking on me just physically. I was in no position to be able to run my business properly and and show up each day like I had been. And had I not been prepared for that, I would have probably been in a big mess. So I guess what I'm trying to say is just make sure you're prepared. If you can take the time off, do it, and know that things like that can and will happen And a child's life is more important anyway. So just remember that getting them stabilized and adjusted to your home and your surroundings and, you know, making a calm, peaceful environment where their trauma is not constantly triggered, that is the most important thing. Your job and your customers, they're going to be okay. And the last question was actually the the most frequent question I got last week was how did your husband and son respond when you told them you were getting twins in four hours? So if you recall last week, I talked about, I was at a restaurant when I got the phone call. I was with my friends and I had to hang up and immediately call my husband and say, can you just come up here real quick? It's down the street from our house. So I said, please just stop by. If you get a minute, I just got a placement call. So he came to the restaurant, sat down, and I said, we're getting twins, and they'll be here in four hours. All I know is they're babies, and it's headed to adoption. And he immediately hugged me because he has seen me go through so much grief and sadness over losing our first set of twins. And I think in that moment, looking back, he was probably relieved to see life come back into my eyes He also recognized the synchronicity that I had let go that morning energetically of the first set of twins. I had made space in my heart and in our life and in their room for two new people to show up. And it happened fast, but he recognized that and he pointed that out too. He was like, you just did that meditation. I mean, we both were just kind of in awe of how fast energy can move and work and how awesome it is when you let go of something that you're holding on to and you're really making room for something new. I think 
we sat and enjoyed that moment and talked about it for a few minutes. And then he just said, well, babe, what do we got to do? You know, what, what's next? What do we have to do to get ready for them? And luckily, you know, again, we were with a set of friends who had already started making lists and phone calls and making sure that the twins and our family had everything that we were going to need in the next couple of hours. Now, our son responded with a lot of excitement, but a lot of fear. You know, he had seen the toll it had taken on me to lose the first set of twins, but it was also very painful for him. He loved them and did not want to feel like that again. So, you know, it was a long conversation. He was probably at that age, he was more um, full of questions about their age and you know, when am I going to get to play with them? Things like that nature. But, you know, one of his main concerns was, Mommy, when will we know that they're ours for good? And that was a question that I had a kind of a hard time answering because even though I knew it was going to be fast-track to adoption, things change. And things did change in our case. And it ended up taking a really long time. And it took a lot of twists and turns. So it wasn't an easy answer. It wasn't an easy conversation, but for the most part, he added an element of excitement for us and not in a tacky way like the the family I told you about last week that was excited and had no idea what the, the boys had been through by the time they arrived at their new placement setting. It was an excitement that I think our family needed as far as moving forward, just moving forward in life and embracing change and recognizing that we were about to have a major shift in our home. I believe that that wraps up the questions from last week's episode, but if you sent one and I did not address it here, that simply just means that The question was outside the scope of what I'm qualified to answer, and it would probably be best if you ask your agency or your social worker the questions, because I am only one piece of a really big puzzle, and I only have, you know, a certain certification and a certain set of experiences that I can share, and I don't want to steer you wrong, so definitely find the answers. Join um, foster groups online. I know Facebook has tons of them for foster parents. Look for groups in your area. You'll find a lot of support and you should be able to, if it's monitored correctly, you should be able to go on there and freely ask questions and get some information. If you don't want your identity revealed, you can always message an admin and ask them to post a question for you. I've seen that happen a hundred times out here. But get your answers. And if I continue to get questions about foster care, I'll do my best to answer those at the beginning of each episode. But before I get into this week's lesson, let's take a short break and hear from our sponsor. I am absolutely obsessed with Baby Mama vitamins and supplements. If you have never heard of them, then you have got to check them out. Baby Mama was created by a mom who had a lot of uncomfortable and frustrating symptoms after pregnancy, and the vitamins are made 
to treat the nutritional deficiencies caused by these hormonal disruptions, such as pregnancy, menopause. It can be anything like surgery, sickness, even COVID, anything that disrupts your hormones. So I take their Hair Repair Max for faster hair growth. I also take their Praise B Vegan Superfood for energy. And on days that I have water retention or bloating, I take their amazing supplement called Ripped. Another thing that is so great about Baby Mama is that they've got an online quiz that will help you determine which products are right for your specific condition. So you can go on this quiz and enter all of your symptoms and it will send you a page that is personalized just for you. So right now, for the amazing Holly Doss listeners, you can get 15% off of your entire order by entering the gift code HOLLY15. So go to babymama.online and enter the gift code HOLLY15 at checkout to get 15% off your entire order. You will not be sorry. Thanks, baby mama. So before we dive into this week's mindset topic, I want to give you a little bit of information on where I fit into the story that I'm going to share with you today. My educational background is in art design and color theory, and that knowledge led me to start a makeup line almost 20 years ago. And when I first started out, my goal was just to create personalized color palettes for girls and women so that they would know what looked best on them, no matter what the current trends were. But on a deeper level, I had an intention to lift up girls and women from more than just their makeup rut. I wanted to help their souls open up by overcoming challenges. I wanted to help girls and women achieve the impossible. So by my setting that intention early in my career, I started attracting mostly customers who wanted more than just a makeover. They wanted more knowledge. They wanted more wisdom, more change in their lives. They did not always have a clear path to get there. So I decided at some point along the way to do my own work and to get certified in mindset training so I could give the right advice to anyone who was sitting in my chair and who was able to receive coaching from me at the same time. Well, that became a game changer, and it began to shape my thinking, and it shaped my career in all kinds of outlets. This podcast is actually even one of them. I tell you this so you'll understand my intentions of sharing this knowledge with you each week, because it is not to come on here and have a place to shame or judge. I am sharing to lift you and to give you some free coaching in areas of your life that you or someone you know may could use the help. I do want to clarify that mindset work is not to take the place of psychotherapy. Now, the goal is the same with both. It's to help you get clear and become more empowered to live a fuller, more self-assured life. But they're two different things. So... Take the work that I share as a mindset toolbox and nothing more. Now, with that said, I want to share a story about one of my favorite clients, Stephanie. Stephanie is a beautiful, well-adjusted, successful adult 
who has a very critical mother. And when I say critical, I'm telling you this woman criticizes everything. She criticized Stephanie's looks, her food choices, her friends, her personality. You guys, she criticizes even her voice. And she does this nonstop. Everything Stephanie says and does is met with criticism from her mother, the one person who is supposed to support her and lift her up. So you can imagine the toll this has taken on Stephanie's life and how this has played out over the years. There have been a wide range of challenges she's had to deal with as a result. Everything from body issues, self-esteem issues, even her own control issues and relationships. It has been very, very difficult for her to let go of what no longer serves her so that she can be a functioning adult and not expect criticism from everyone she meets. But recently, her mom started having health problems and had to move in with Stephanie. And now Stephanie is having to take care of her on a daily basis. The mom has made no change. She's still criticizing constantly. Doesn't matter what it is. Everything from, why do you talk in that voice? Why do you dress that way? I don't like your hair today. Your new haircut looks awful. Is very emotionally immature. It's very sad, actually, but it's very emotionally immature. And her being back in Stephanie's life on this level and on a daily basis and her physical presence has caused so much to arise within Stephanie. Now, she's had a ton of therapy. Like I said, she's done a lot of self-work. But being back in that daily interaction has caused her to be a nervous wreck. So she called me. She's a longtime makeup client of mine, and she reached out to me for guidance on mindset because she said, you know, I don't feel like there's anything I can go work through that I haven't already worked through. I need some tools right now and in the moment just to get through my day and just to kind of counteract this negativity. So with her permission, I'm going to share the tools that I gave her in case you are in a similar situation or someone you know is in a similar situation. And you know what? If you are the criticizing parent, if you hear yourself in any of this, I hope that some of these tools will give you some insight into the damage your behavior can cause in children, even if they're grown. Because you are always the parent, no matter what. So the first step I took with Stephanie was to help her better understand the act of criticizing. Criticism is about reflection. You know, anytime criticism shows up, it's more about the person judging than the one on the receiving end. So in Stephanie's case, her mother is seeing one of two things in her daughter. Something that she either wishes she had or something that she has that she doesn't like about herself. But it has really nothing to do with Stephanie. So I explained to Stephanie that recognizing where the criticizer is coming from is really the first step and not personalizing it on a daily basis. And that goes with any challenge that you're facing in life. Recognition of something keeps you from personalizing it. 
Now, I have a lot of feelings about her mother's toxic behavior, but my main concern is the message she's sending Stephanie each time she criticizes, which is, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You see, when a parent criticizes their child, even if it's an adult child, the only thing the child hears is, you're not good enough. And that is a problem. And that brings me to the second step I took with Stephanie, which was to understand this message that she's getting each time her mom criticizes her. Because for every critical comment she receives from her mother, there would ideally need to be at least three positive comments to counteract the you're not good enough message. And her toxic mother is not going to provide that and likely will not ever. Given her age and her pattern of behavior for decades, it's just not going to happen. So it's crucial that Stephanie, that you, or anyone on the receiving end of harsh criticism understands that a negative message has to be heavily counteracted with three positives. So where does Stephanie go from here? She understands criticism and she recognizes the message that's being sent to her, but how does she find some inner calm and sanity while she's having to live with her mother? And that question really brings me to the third step I gave her. I checked in with Stephanie on her boundaries. Now, boundary setting takes courage. That's a whole different episode in and of itself. But boundaries are a must if you are in the ring with a toxic parent. Getting clear and firm about what you allow in is all you can control when you're dealing with someone who criticizes on that level. You know, you're not going to change them. You can only change you. So if setting boundaries is new territory for you, then I encourage you to do some research on healthy boundaries. There's all kinds of boundaries. Research healthy boundaries so that you are prepared with your responses that you might get as a result of setting them. Most of the time, when you set boundaries with someone, it's uncomfortable at first. Their response is going to leave you questioning if you're being rude, if you're being mean or disrespectful, like Stephanie's mother accused her of doing. Or the person may try to throw guilt onto you as a way to keep you from standing firm in those boundaries. They're going to test you a little bit. It's sort of like a two- or three-year-old testing boundaries. But if you maintain clear, firm boundaries and you set them in a loving, calm way, then don't question yourself. Don't allow those accusations to sink in. So getting clear on what your personal boundaries are is that step in surviving a toxic relationship. The next step is to have a personal set of affirmations on hand at all times. And I mean, it can be as simple as, I am enough. Cling to that. Recite it often. You're met with harsh criticism? Tell yourself inside, I am enough. I am enough. I am enough. Repeat it until there's no way you don't believe it. Because remember, it takes at least three positive comments to counteract the negative. And since the toxic person is not going to do that, it's up to you. There are a ton of apps that offer consistent affirmations throughout the day. Get those too. Do whatever you have to do to counteract any self-doubt that can creep in following criticism. So just to recap 
where I started with Stephanie. I helped her to understand criticism. I helped her to recognize the message that she's receiving. I helped her get clear on where her boundaries stood. And I gave her an affirmation tool to work with each time she's met with criticism. So once those things were cemented into Stephanie's awareness and she got that, I gave her a list to take home of things I wanted to make sure that she did on a daily basis. These are things anyone can do, and it really applies to more than just if you're in a toxic tangle with someone. I mean, these are things you can do to raise your frequency, to increase some self-awareness, and to bring you more inner peace, which we could all use right now. The first was to, on a daily basis, check in with your support system. This can be close friends, a therapist, whoever supports Stephanie or or supports you. Check in on a daily basis. Having those supports in place is so important. The second thing I said, please journal. It is an old forgotten practice and it sounds kind of basic and weird when there's so many new tools out there to help you overcome challenges, but It is the act of transferring energy from your body and your mind onto something outside of your body and your mind, onto a piece of paper that you can throw away or burn or turn the page on. It's an act. It's a process of a transfer of energy. The third thing I told her was to tweak her meditation practice. She was already meditating regularly, But I said, you know, you can go to YouTube and find meditations for free that are specific for releasing toxic negative emotions. And I want you to start listening to those with headphones every single day because they do work. So in a nutshell, that was the overall action plan. She knew what she needed to do and my job at that point, was just to check in with her once a week. I was not totally sure she was going to be able to overcome on a daily basis the negativity being thrown her way. It was bad, and even though she had a lot of tools, there's only so much you can take. But within two weeks of implementing everything I had given her, she started to sound like her old self. That nervous wreck, Stephanie, was way less obvious to me than when she came to me at the beginning. By week four, she was able to freely live in a place of peace, even though her mom still lived there and had not changed a single one of her behaviors. Stephanie had the tools to survive and thrive in that environment. So it is my hope that by sharing Stephanie's story you can find some things that may work for you and your situation because if you have the right tools and the right mindset and the right daily rituals in place, you can overcome anything. And that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Holly Doss Show. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. And if you are listening on iTunes, please leave a five-star review. And remember that you never know who could use a story like Stephanie's for some much needed hope, inspiration, or direction. So if you know someone who's struggling with an overly critical parent 
or an overly critical boss or teacher, and it's causing them tremendous turmoil, please copy the link to this episode and share it with them. Share it on your social media so that it's readily available. And until next time, live in the present, enjoy your life, accept and receive the gifts the universe has to offer you. And on your hard days, know that I believe in you and I believe that you can achieve great things. Have a wonderful weekend. Love you guys.